0: Support for this podcast is made possible by you. Visit www.allgirlsconsider.org donate to help us build a world of endless possibilities for girls.
1: Hello, I'm Lena, And I'm Aubrey. Welcome, Welcome to, to All Girls considered. considered, a podcast dedicated to telling the stories of inspiring women and girls. Today, we're speaking with Sarah Stewart-Holland and Beth Silvers, who are the hosts of the Pantsuit Politics podcast. They are friends, wives, moms, thinkers, and listeners who also happen to host a super popular podcast. Sarah and Beth met in college, but each went on to have their own lives and careers before realizing the values of conversations together.
0: On their podcast, they look for connections and similarities and focus on listening to each other's viewpoints rather than arguing to be right. We can't wait to learn from them about the art of podcasting and how to engage in positive, respectful conversation and important
2: topics. Welcome, Sarah and Beth. Tell us a little bit about yourselves. Thank you so much for having us. Well, you covered some of it in the intro. We're friends from college. We're both um, moms. I have three boys and Beth has two girls. Um, We both went to law school. Um, but pursued sort of different paths. I went to law school in Washington D.C. and worked in politics before moving back to my hometown of Paducah, Kentucky, in 2009, and sort of getting into blogging, and that's what ultimately led me to podcasting. I'll let Beth tell her side of the history.
3: Yeah, good morning. So, I out of law school went to work in a law firm. I did some corporate bankruptcy work, some general litigation, and a little bit of family law. Eventually, I decided I wanted to try something new. And so, I became the chief HR officer for the firm. And I did that until 2017. Uh, Sarah and I connected over Facebook, and I started writing for her blog a bit. And she reached out and said, Would you like to start a podcast? And I said, I don't know what a podcast is, but let's do it. And we did. And that's how Pantsuit Politics was born. So I would like to know,
1: how did you guys get started doing Pantsuit Politics?
3: Well, I my husband
2: was really, really into podcasting and I had been blogging um, for a couple of years and he kept pestering me to start a podcast. He was like, I really think you'd be good at it. I think you would like it. And he just kept at it and kept at it. And I thought at first that I would do a podcast about interviewing women in politics. Um, but I didn't really like the interview format. And so when Beth, um, was on maternity leave, she wrote a few guest posts for my blog that were really well received. And I thought maybe we could do a podcast together. And we did one test phone call and it went so well that we decided to continue doing it.
0: So whenever you mention a blog, what kind of blog is it like, (laughs) like an advice blog or just, you know,
2: well, I started, um, And as a send up to female partnerships, I actually started blogging because a friend of mine from law school reached out to me in much the same way I eventually reached out to Beth. She um, contacted me and said, would you ever be interested in writing a parenting blog? Because I'd been writing a personal blog just for my friends and family since my husband and I got married in 2003. And I was like, yeah, sure. And so we started writing a parenting blog together. She lived in California. I lived in Kentucky. So we did sort of a Southwest coast thing. And then I eventually started my own personal blog and I would really write about mostly parenting, but really anything that I was interested in or thinking about, including politics. And that's when, um, Beth saw some of my posts and said, Hey, would you ever be interested in, you know, posts from the other side of the aisle? And that's how we started thinking that way.
3: One of the things that I think is really fun about Pansy Politics is that when Sarah and I started recording the podcast, we hadn't been in the same room in 13 years. So it's not like we were best friends and thought, let's introduce some tough topics into our conversations. We said, let's, let's have some tough conversations and see what happens. And we became really good friends through those conversations because when you really sit down, to dig into subjects much deeper than just my point, your point. But what's going on here? What do we really care about? What motivates us? You start to talk about the things that are most important to you, who you are, what you value, what's important to you in the world. And so even when Sarah and I really strongly disagree, as we sometimes do, I feel like our friendship is stronger after every one of our conversations because we push ourselves to say, What's behind how I'm feeling about this? So would you say that
0: communication is an important, like vital thing in conversations?
2: Oh, 100%. I think that um, relationships are built on a foundation of communication and not being able, not only being able to communicate how you're feeling or what you're thinking um but also being able to listen and understand where the other person is coming from.
3: I also think people care that they are part of the conversation. We try to share a lot of what listeners share with us every week in our newsletter. We set we add into our newsletter an email that we've gotten from a listener with their thoughts, we try to talk about what listeners have told us on the show. And so it's about a lot more than just the two of us, you know, once you start listening to the podcast you are really an important part of the conversations that we're having.
0: Have you ever considered doing something besides a podcast to talk about these controversial things and politics, besides a blog, well, of course?
2: <laughs> well, I mean, we do live events and we do um, speaking engagements around the country at colleges and high schools and businesses, because often, um, not just listening to us on a podcast, but seeing us. Um, sort of have these conversations in real life, especially when we do Q&A with audiences and people can talk back and and share their concerns and we can sort of have a conversation as either a small or bigger group, I think has been really um, a powerful experience for both of us and the types of
3: conversations we want to see out in the world. And we wrote a book as well. To your point about how important communication is, we tried to put... 10 principles of the communication that we have with each other into a book. And so that's another way that we've we've shared these thoughts.
1: So the idea of nuance is really important to your conversations and the work you do. Can you help our listeners understand what nuance is and what power it holds in our thinking conversations?
3: When we started the podcast, we really thought of the word nuance as meaning, let's reject that we, we only have two choices in every situation. We're for something or we're against it. This policy is good or bad. We love or despise this politician. And that is still a really important component. What we've learned over the four years that we've been doing this is that it's also kind of a practice. The idea of nuance for us is, okay, we reject those two choices only in most situations, but also... We just keep coming back and continuing to work on ourselves and think through what's really important here. What's really going on here? Has anything changed since the last time we talked about this that has changed our minds or that makes us view this differently or that counsels a different result? So I would say that it's that it's both that we want to look for all aspects of what's going on and that we want to keep engaging in that exercise.
1: As young adults, do you have any suggestions on how we can transition conversations about heavy topics from small talk service level to a deeper dialogue without pushing people too far out of their comfort zones?
3: One of the
2: ways that I we really see- appreciate, I was Go just going re- to say, I really appreciate the descriptor of a young adult.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things that we share with people often about this is, can you zoom out? So if you're talking about immigration, instead of sticking to whatever is in the news right now about immigration, ask a question like, hey, if you or I were going to move to another country, what should be the standards for us being allowed to live there? What about the standards for us being allowed to vote there? What about the standards for us being allowed to run for office there? Sometimes, especially older adults, need to be pulled out of whatever is being discussed in the news, because that's what everybody is mad about. And if we can have bigger conversations about the context and about how this might apply in the future, how what we do today impacts tomorrow, how it relates to what happened decades ago, it can really help us think a little bit more broadly about what's going on.
0: So like you basically take like inferences sort of, And try to make a good claim
3: that's not really connected to the news? I would say more than making a good claim that you would ask a good question. So let's take climate change, for example. If you are talking with someone who says, well, um, climate change is urgent. We need to act right away or we're going to lose the earth. And the other person in the conversation says, all of that's exaggerated and we need to calm down about this and we need to worry about who has jobs today. You could ask a question like, okay, what is our responsibility to the earth? That's the first thing. And who do we look to to tell us what's going on with the earth? Who do we believe when they talk about what's happening with the earth? So just try to pull back a little bit from the thing that causes argument and ask questions that could open some doors to places where you might find some agreement or you might at least understand why you disagree.
1: So how do you decide what topics to cover for your podcast?
2: Well, sometimes it's, and often, it's driven by the news. What's something that everyone's talking about that our listeners want to hear some nuance on? Uh, Sometimes it's big issues that we think um, we need to go back to square one and talk about in a new way or relearn the history or reorient ourselves to the conversation if we feel like um, a certain political topic is stuck in a rut. And we'd like to think about it in new ways. Um, but it's really fluid. It's based on what's um our community interested in, what we are what we're interested in, what we think is important.
0: I know that you communicate about a lot of um sensitive topics,
3: but are there any topics that are you like no goes on? No, I don't think so. I can't think of anything that we've ever said we're not gonna touch that. There are certainly things that I don't enjoy talking about as much as others. But I feel like we ask our listeners to trust us in a big way by saying, will you share a couple hours of your week with us? And that's a big deal to give us two hours of your time. And because people are willing to do that, I feel like we owe it to them to be very um, open about the topics that we discuss. And if it's important to them, it should be important to us and we should be brave enough to have an honest conversation about it.
1: Okay. So... We listened to some of your interviews, and one thing we noticed was that you transitions really seamlessly between topics. As fellow podcasters, what advice do you have for us about how to develop our skills as conversationalists?
2: Well, I would say that some of that is very good editing. Um, You know, when we're recording the podcast, it's often that we will tell our um, producer, hey, Dylan, wait, we want to start that over. We want to take that out. So um, that's not one live take you're listening to for sure. And I think, you know, it's with everything, having practice, um, just doing it over and over again and learning what works and what doesn't, because it'll change, um, depending on the people talking and the subject matter about how easily it flows or not.
0: So you mentioned your producer, Dylan, is he like someone that you've been with for a while or like just
2: new or, I think Um, no, do you know, Sarah,
3: I was just thinking maybe close to two years, right?
2: yeah we and we found him by reaching out to a audio engineering listserv, and we got lots of people interested and um he was definitely just a really good fit and yeah we've been with him for a couple of years now
0: um what does he actually do does he do like the
2: editing and what does he do by editing or do you edit some so we have we record we don't live to we don't live near each other, so we record separately in our own homes, separate audio files. So Dylan puts the audio files over top of one another. He adds in, in transitional music. He takes out ums, and, or I messed that up, I want to say it again, um, and edits generally for flow and puts it all together in one single audio file.
3: So how long have y'all had the podcast? We started in November of 2015, and we did it completely on our own with just our husbands helping us with the sound for two years. And then we were able to hire Dylan and Dylan has since hired someone to work with him. And so um, we've added two people on the production side. And then um, we have a, a listener who reached out to us named Elise, who said, there are probably lots of things that go into making this podcast that no one sees. How can I help with that? And so she's been with us for two years now, too, and she helps us do things like schedule this interview and think through what topics we've already covered and what we want to cover in the future. And so we are really lucky to have built this little team of people over time. Um, Everybody works really hard. We have to turn our episodes around really quickly. So most of our shows are recorded and released within 24 hours. And, uh, that's, that's hard work. So we're just really fortunate to have a committed team of people who also happen to be a joy to work with.
1: Okay. So did y'all think y'all would get like as big as you would?
3: (laughs) No, (laughs) (laughs) no, it is still hard to believe for me that people, that people listen and that they continue to listen, um, and I think Sarah's husband gave us such good advice when we started. He told us, if, if you do this, do it because you enjoy it and you love it and you care about it. Don't do it thinking that you're going to be able to make money doing it um, or that you're going to have lots of people listen. And I think that was the best advice. And so I feel like we still try to do it that way. We do it because we love doing it.
0: Were there any times where you think that, like, you can't do this anymore? And, like, how do you overcome those
3: feelings if you have felt them That's a great question that no one has ever asked us. Go ahead, Beth. (laughs) I have never thought I don't ever want to do this again uh, because I do love it and I feel like what we're doing matters in some way. I definitely have had times when I feel a little burnout because. Part of making a podcast and building an audience of people who listen to it is being really consistent about it. And so we can't batch our episodes ahead of time and release them all together. You know, we are sitting down at least three hours every week and talking to record these shows. And that is a lot. And we do a lot of research to prepare and take in a lot of news to be ready. And so there are times when I have felt like I could use a break. Um, but I've never wanted to quit. And when I get that, I could use a break feeling. Everything in my life has taught me and it's taken me a long time to learn this. I hope some of your listeners can learn it earlier than I did, that when you feel like you need a break, you need a break. And Sarah has been a really good person helping me think through, okay, how do we take a break? How do we listen to this, Um, and do it and really take a break, not just a little bit, but like actually pull back so that we can rest and come back and do it well again. But I would love to hear what Sarah says to that question, too.
2: Yeah, I just think that, um, you know, the transition for both of us has been really different. Um, Beth went from a, you know, very professional nine to five job to becoming a podcaster. I went from like a I was sort of a part time social media consultant, part time blogger, Um, I taught some at my community college. So I went from a very amorphous, um, not very financially lucrative, um, professional life, mainly being a stay at home mom into more, a a more professional, um, situation. I also, when we first started, um, ran for office and became a city commissioner and then lost my reelection campaign. So like, I guess all those feelings were channeled into that professional transition. (laughs) Um, And so I was having, when I think we could have gotten to a point in the podcast where it was really picking up and it was becoming professional, I had this other gig totally removed from my life. Um, Sort of against my will, but definitely for the best in the long run. And, you know, so the, the combination of, Becoming more professional has always felt like such a blessing. It's never something I'm looking to um, escape. I, and it's really been nice to do work that's appreciated out in the world and that we get paid for. It's just not a professional experience I've had before. And then also just running for office and then losing and sort of see, ha- having that experience has just really shifted my my perception overall, I would say.
1: So is it stressful like balancing out home life and work life without getting in the way of average life? I mean not when you work from
2: home. (laughs) Uh, The working from home part makes balancing home life very easy um, because I can tackle a lot of things that because I'm in my house in between work projects or when I I need a break. The hard part about what we do is that we travel Um, and so that's a totally different ball game and that can be um, really difficult I'm, I'm we're both really blessed we have amazing partners I live in my hometown my parents live up the street and my mom recently retired so I have a lot of support at home um, but we definitely have. it takes a village I think especially when we leave town
3: so how did you first meet in the first place we went to college together, and we were in the same sorority, so we knew each other all four years of college. We weren't super close friends, but we were we were definitely in each other's lives in a in a positive way, I would say. And then we just stayed in touch um, on Facebook after college, and that's kind of how I started reading Sarah's blog posts probably long before she knew I was reading them and then um, decided to reach out to see if I could do some writing for her.
1: So going back to like writing a book, what was the process of writing a book and how long did it take you guys?
2: We had a listener reach out to us um, and say, I heard you talking about a book project. I'm a literary agent. Um, I'd like to work with you on that. And it took a couple months to write the book proposal to shop it around, to get an offer from a, um, publisher. Then it takes a month or so to work out the details of that and get that all signed. Then it took us about, um, three to four months to write the book, go through the editing process, another couple months to, um, get the cover, finalize the, um, book and send it to print. And then you spend months getting ready for it to come out and, um, Then you spend months promoting it. It's a very, that's all to say, it's a very long process.
3: And not much of it involves the writing. You know, it's a super long process and you actually write it pretty quickly within that process. So what exactly is the message of the book? The book is called, I think you're wrong, but I'm listening. And what we really want to communicate, you know, the very first chapter of our book is, We need everybody to talk about hard things. And part of the reason, you know, everyone likes to talk about how divided we are or how polarized America is, part of the reason we think that's happening is that we've stopped practicing having good, difficult conversations with each other. And so we make the case that we should do it. And then we talk about the work that you need to do on yourself to be ready for those conversations, ways to talk with other people We talk about having grace throughout that process, meaning we come to this from a place of um, not writing people off because of mistakes, not writing ourselves out of the conversations because we don't know everything, believing that everybody has a spot here. Not all opinions are equal, but all people are equal. And then we end by saying, keep it nuanced, meaning just keep doing this over and over and over again. Keep going through this process.
1: You all talk with, read, and interview lots of people. What kinds of voices do you believe are important for young people, girls especially, to be listening to right now?
2: Beth might be um, even better to answer this since she has little girls. We'll let her go first.
3: Well, I think it's important for young people Uh, girls especially, to listen to more women's voices because we haven't always had those, especially in conversation about news and politics. And so finding the voices of women who you trust, I think, is really important. I also think it's critically important for everybody to listen to voices that you don't always agree with and voices that challenge you and voices that come from a perspective that you've not heard much in your life. Um, An example for me is I like to listen to indigenous women because I don't know very much about native culture. And I think it's important. It really challenges me. Sometimes I hear things that are very hard and that I don't know exactly how to react to. And I think that's important. And I want to make sure that my daughters grow up hearing a wider array of perspectives than I grew up hearing. And I hope that they'll do the same with their children and that we can just keep kind of looking beyond ourselves. Because I really think that the more you look beyond yourself, the more you sort of find who you are and what you believe in, what's important to you.
0: I was wondering, whenever you're like saying all of that, I was wondering what
3: indigenous means. Oh, sure. Um, people who are Native Americans, people who are indigenous to the United States, um, not that immigrated over somewhere in their family lineage. Oh,
1: thank you. <laughs> thank you for asking. So, what do you see as a value of a woman's perspective in the political space?
2: I mean, I would say that that um, one of my favorite voices, just as a, a, a population, are nuns. I just really like nuns generally, and I think particularly older nuns that have lived in that way for a long time have a great perspective. And I heard one of my favorite nuns, Sister Joan, say that when women um, aren't invited to the problem-solving table, you're basically trying to solve the problem with one hand tied behind your back. It's not that women's voices are inherently more valuable. It's just that they are different and they ha- they share a different perspective. And when you're trying to solve a problem without that perspective, you're limiting your capacity to solve the problem.
0: So how do we develop our
3: perspective?
2: I mean, I would say that there's no shortcut.
3: Yeah.
2: I mean, it comes with time and experiences and... Um, learning as much as you can, always being curious about the world and people around you, um, and trusting um, the voice as it de- as it develops. Um, learning who and what gives you energy and what makes you feel frustrated or silenced and responding accordingly is always a, a good step. I also just want
3: to add that you can't be afraid of failing in that process because failure is not really available. Everything that you get wrong is a chance to learn something. And if you begin your life being willing to be wrong, there is not much that can get in your way. But if you have a fear of being wrong, it can really keep you from getting involved in things that could make a big difference in the world. And that could make you happier and more fulfilled and and deepen that voice that you have so you just want to make sure from the beginning that that you're willing to feel the the sting of of getting something wrong and having to learn um because that's like the best muscle that you have
0: have you yourself overcome any fear about anything
3: related to this podcast I was very afraid to do this podcast at the beginning, so I'm sharing advice um, based on things I've learned. Um, When we first started, I really was concerned because I was working in a professional office environment. Um, I worked very hard. I cared a lot about my job and about my identity as a professional and how people viewed me in the workplace. And I was nervous that folks at work – and otherwise in my life would hear me say things that surprised them or that disappointed them or that just made them see me differently. Um, I was worried that people would respect me less for doing something like a podcast. And I had to just sit down with myself and make a plan. And I told myself in that process, if you decide to do this, you cannot filter it. You can't have these conversations with Sarah, worrying about who's listening to them and how they'll react. Because if you do, it won't be worth listening to. And it was kind of like jumping into a great big ocean for me starting the podcast. And, And that's really where I've come to understand. I mean, I get things wrong all the time. I say things in ways that people write to tell me, hey, you might not have meant it this way, but I found this hurtful. And it's very hard, but that developing that resilience to hear it and to not be defensive, but say, thank you. I'm a better person for knowing this and for hearing your voice on this, um, has just made me so much happier than any raise or title change, um, or accolade I got at work. So how are ways,
1: um, girls like us can get over those fears?
2: I mean, I think the, the advice Beth offered earlier about letting it not seeing, um, seeing failure as only an opportunity to learn or not being, there's no way to avoid fear. There's no way to avoid failure. The only thing that you have control over is your reaction to those things. And so I think that, um, learning to not tense up in the face of those experiences, but to open up in the face of those experiences and to lean into, um, the rise and fall of, of learning and maturing and just life is, is something that is always worth
3: dedicating yourself to. So it helps to have really good friends and loved ones in your life as you do that too, you know, good, good relationships with good people, um, help you kind of pick up and carry on when it gets difficult. So were
0: you aware of each other's fears at that moment?
2: I think I knew that Beth had trepidation about as a professional about doing the podcast. Um, I didn't know her as well as I do now, obviously, but I sensed that, um, this was a, this was a, a big deal and a a different type of deal for her than it was for me, for sure.
1: So I would like to ask, what does trepidation mean?
0: Um, it just means sort of concern and worry. Oh okay. I would say. Okay. So how do we support each other through these things?
3: One thing Sarah talks about quite a bit is called Shine Theory. And she's really good at modeling this where you just make a deliberate effort to talk about to give people credit for their ideas, to talk about their successes, to say what makes them great. And to make that a habit for yourself, just uplifting the people around you. The idea is that when one woman shines, all women shine Um, and that putting light on one person can can add light to lots of other people. And so I think that's a huge part of it. I also think um, it's it's important to just check in with people and to acknowledge how they're feeling without trying to manage it for them. You know, Sarah Since that I had that anxiety, she never said to me, you're wrong to feel that way. You know, she would say, how are you doing? This is working okay. And we try to really talk to each other about how we're feeling. Are things working out okay? um, And keeping that open line of communication, um, again, without trying to solve each other's problems, I think is a big part of having a healthy relationship.
2: I'm assuming you guys are familiar with Lizzo when I'm shining. Everybody's going to shine. So
1: one of the last questions we like to ask is what advice do you have for girls listening to this podcast?
2: Listen to lots of Lizzo. That would be my first piece of advice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I think that what I said before, you know, learn to listen to the voice inside yourself that says, you know, this experience Um, this activity, this relationship, this conversation, this book, this podcast, whatever it is, makes me feel energized. It gives me energy. It it makes me feel excited. It makes me feel worthy. Um, It gives me new ideas. It gives me things to pursue. Lean into those things. Uh, Lean out and trust yourself when you feel the opposite. When somebody makes you feel zapped or frustrated or bad about yourself, Um, Be that a relationship or a conversation or a TV show or a song, whatever it is. I mean, you just have to um, follow the things that that give you light. And I mean, not to get like pretty Star Wars here, but follow the follow the force and avoid the, the bad energy.
3: Yeah. And I think a big part of that is really trying to figure out what your individual talents are. Because if you do what you're meant to do, if you do what works for your personality and uses your natural gifts, that will not lead you wrong. What will take you in that negative direction, I think, is trying to do what is for someone else to do. And so you might really love podcasts and and want to do that with your life and get into it and realize – this is just not for me. Maybe I'm more of a painter or maybe I'm more of a musician or whatever. And I think you just want to explore all of those talents and focus in on the ones that really feel right to you. Um, and, and that will help you deepen your voice and, and really just make good decisions in your life.
0: Well, it's probably time to wrap things up. Thank you for taking the time of your week to come talk to us. Thank Thank you you for having us. So we hope that our conversation has been important for listeners. I know I've learned a lot, like listening to Lizzo. Me too. This is Aubrey. And Lena. From, from All Girls Considered, Considered, signing off.
1: All Girls Considered believes in a world where girls and women matter. You can support our work by donating at www.allgirlsconsidered.org donate right now. We can't do this without you.